Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on again with JB, and I'm joined by the lovely Pistol. How are you? Doing very well, JB. This podcast uh, about mid-prices is usually my favorite podcast of the entire season, so I'm really excited about talking uh, the nitty-gritty details of all these mid-price picks. We have about 20 mid-prices to discuss and in reality, that should take us about 30, 40 minutes. It's going to take over an hour. I can already feel it. Um, we love talking mid-prices. There's a lot of interesting ones this year, a lot of pros, a lot of cons to discuss. Um, before we do that, before we dive into it, I want to quickly plug us, Pistol. We're not sponsored yet. I'm just going to plug us. Um, <laughs> we're doing a 30 for 30 podcasts this year as we did last year, um, a podcast every single day about a player voted on by our Patreons. Um, that is all obviously within our Patreon group. The cheapest tier will gain you entry into that. Um, and then we are doing a 20-minute, approximately 20-minute discussion on the player, the pros, the cons, trying to help out their fence hitters. Um, there's a lot of content. We're about six episodes in um, today or whenever this is released, maybe seven or eight episodes in. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, Pistol. Oh, it's heaps of fun. And, you know, 30 podcasts for $3 doesn't sound too bad, particularly if you love your Supercoach content. It's a pretty handy bonus. Speaking of our Patreon, I'm going to quickly... I say quickly, not that quick. It's not going to be super quick. Um, we haven't done our shout-outs. Well, we haven't podcasted in a couple of weeks. Um, so we have a few shout-outs here ready to go. I'm going to try to fly through them as quickly as possible. So apologies to the listeners who won't hear their name in a second, which is such an honor. Um, I'll start <laughs> us off with Andrew White. Welcome. Michael Savary, Jack Watts, David Cordwell, Scott Barker, JDH16, Delvis... <laughs> okay, Harry Mulqueen. I feel like you're struggling. Um, What's going no, on? No, no, I plan on I plan on going thirty for thirty on these name pronunciations. <laughs> There's more than thirty names, as well. just but yeah. Um, Benjamin Partridge, JDRSM. If people had real names, maybe it'd be easier. But uh, Doug Nelson, Hawkman twenty three. Wow, your parents got interesting. Um, Michael Bornholm, John Creasy, Braden Svla. Oh my god. Svila, please tell me if that's wrong, Braden. I'm sorry. Angus Marwood, Adam Luke, Damien Malo, Noah, just Noah. Okay, there's, there's probably a few of those, dude. Tom Spencer, just Ryan, just Kieran, just Daniel. Um, these guys aren't all called just as their first name. They've never that would have been a name. crazy coincidence. Three people it named in been a row of just, yeah. Named just. <laughs> Anthony Cohen, James Browning, Lachlan Skilbeck, Ryan Millard, Andrew Smale. Declan Goggin, Jack Hurrell, Jeff Lane, and finally Kane Edwards. So firstly, if you've heard one of your mates in there and you now know that they're getting a little bit of an edge on the competition by signing up to the best Patreon in Supercoach, maybe it's time you follow them in. Um, 30 for 30 podcast is happening. There's discussions every single day. We have all the, the hottest news coming through one dedicated channel as well. Um, it is essentially the best one-stop shop for Supercoach. So that's enough of the plugs, Pistol. I think it's time that we discuss mid-price madness. How are you feeling? Um, I'm excited. I'm, I think uh, we should probably start in the back line. There seems to be a lot of, I guess, the mid-price options that are available in that position, and uh, not all of them are that good, JB. 
No, not all of them are that good, but we're still seeing a few in a lot of teams, which is a little bit concerning. We're going to start off with probably one of the most popular ones so far this year. It's James Harms. So Harms, obviously, he's around 388k. Yeah, I know you told me to look at this before the podcast, but I yeah, haven't. Yeah, it's now, definitely now 350 odd k, but what's all right? Oh, you can give him an extra 30k okay. so people don't select him. I'm, I'm not too maybe, fussed with that. Maybe I should have taken your advice and then found these before <laughs> the podcast. I didn't know we were starting with defenders. You threw me in the deep end there. I was going to start with forwards. Anyway, James Harms, 350 odd k then. Have it your way. Um he is being widely selected due to his average of 95 when he played midfield two seasons ago. Um, didn't get a lot of that in last year, hence his defensive eligibility and his poor average. Now, the rumors are to start this season that he will earn that midfield spot back um, and thus has earned a spot in a lot of our teams. What are your thoughts on James Harms? I don't think it's a rumor. I mean, there was an interview with Harms and he said, yeah, I was experimented off the half back last year. It failed, and I've been told I'm going to be playing it purely back inside the midfield this year as an inside midfielder. So for me, when the player's like, I'm going to be an inside midfielder, and we saw that he averaged 95 in the past, even as a tagger, he still averaged high 80s um, playing in the midfield. And also, if people watch the Demons play, like he's not a bad player at all. Like he's solid enough. I, no, I, he's good. He had a really good year two years ago. Really good for I, them. Like I think he's actually a really solid footballer. And if he's going to play inside mid, I guess my question mark and concern is like who goes out of that midfield? Because obviously Viney was in there for majority of last season and a kind of a similarish role. And I mean Viney's having a delayed start to the season, so I'd hate yep. to see. You know, Harms play inside midfield and then four rounds in, you know, Viney comes in and Harms get pushed out. But that's not at least what we've been told. We've been told, I am playing a pure midfielder and for that reason, I'm going to watch him in the preseason games. If he is playing as a pure midfielder, you know, 350k selectable as a defender, you know, if I'm able to get a 95 output for him, then, you know, straight off the bat, that's good value. Well, Brayshaw was able to secure quite a few midfield minutes last season, which I don't think was a budding success for Melbourne either. Um, so it could mean just a few players lose a percentage of their time to make way for harms. But his best footy is in the midfield. I think Melbourne are better when he's in the midfield. And with Jack Viney having a slow start to the season, uh, coming in a bit late, I think by then they'll know that Harms is best suited to a midfield spot. 344k, could we realistically see a 90-plus average from him? Or um, is do you think he's a moneymaker at that price? It is a really awkward price. Yeah, look, that price point is unfortunate. However... If he's gonna like, I think if he's gonna play an inside midfielder, like realistically, how low is he gonna go? He's probably not gonna just go eighty flat, right? Like worst case scenario, he probably goes eighty five as an inside mid. Yep. Best case, over ninety five. If we say just like call it ninety five flat, you know, you're keeping him. If you average anything over ninety, you're probably keeping him as your D six for the season. Um, and if he goes just under that, he's still gonna make you a hundred k. And then you could do a final upgrade. You know, he's got the round 14 by JB. So that's the final buy round. So you can judge him at round 14. If he's going well, great, you keep him. If he's not going as well, easy upgrade to, you know, a Whitfield or somebody who's probably not going to start the season. And, you know, you're on your merry way. 
Okay, so how do you want to do this? Do you want to go through them and rank them? Or would you like to do a, a one-by-one rank? Do we want to rank harms as an option now? No, let's do it at do the end wanna... of Defenders. We'll just give our top three. So we'll just... Okay, perfect. So have you got anything else on harms? No, I don't. I think we're all... We're okay. out. We're out. All, all in all, I think we, we are in agreement that harms is shaping like a, a really good selection and just low risk. At this stage, we want... Low risk value players, and that's what we're going to get through 1% for the rest of the podcast. Aside, but harms, POD as well. He's in one percent. Yeah, it was like a bit. Last he must. Week, he yeah. must have ninety five percent slack ownership because he uh, he's all we've spoken about. Oh yeah. Um, Let's... I think okay. I think that'll rise coming coming into round one. Uh, the next player on the list is Shoal. So Lucky Shoal, three hundred and forty three k. Thank you, Pistol. Um, <laughs> Now you're you've included him in here. I know Shaw is a younger talent for Adelaide. What do you see his role being this year? Same role that he ended last season. He looks like an absolute star on that wing. Um, his just kicking efficiency is beautiful. Um, just yeah, truly top notch um, kicking. And if he's he's probably for me a bit. He's, he's too young and he's going to be a bit too inconsistent at that price point. Again, when you're selecting someone at 350k, you probably want them to average closer to 90. I don't think Scholl is going to get there, but he will have games where he scores 120, but I think he'll also have games where he just scores you know, 40, 50 points as well, and it's not going to average out to average over 90. Um, but what I see is a really a guy that can get a bit of the ball, can use it very well. It's just a little bit too early for me. I think he'll be a staple uh, potentially in our backlines in the future, though. Yeah, he does. He does have that about him, doesn't he? He that that kicking and that dashing um, type of style. Um, being how young he is and the Crows being a building side, he was one of the standouts last year and. Um, as we've seen with a lot of players who start off in defence and you know average okay in their first year, they tend to turn out to be decent premiums in future. I don't think this year will be that jump for Shoal, um, even though there is a bit of a bit of way carved out with with Laird going into the midfield and such. But I think he's got a little bit more of an apprenticeship to to go. Um, I don't know how many teams he's in pistol. You probably have that in front of you, but. Um, he's not the hottest commodity, uh, especially with Harms being a, a very close buy price. Yeah, no, I, I do agree with what you're saying. Um, next up, we have Lockie Ash. He's 320k JB. People, a lot of people have selected him um, now, obviously, with Williams out of the side and the core out of the side and potentially, you know, Whitfield possibly out of the side as well. Um, what what are you seeing here with Lockie Ash? Honestly, I I struggle to give an unbiased opinion of Lockie Ash because I rate him really highly as far as kids go, um, as far as kids go in the de- in defense as well. Um, you rate you rate kids, be... just like kids in, in in terms of AFL football. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 cool. Are you trying to are you trying to get me in trouble, Pistol? <laughs> That's very. I just didn't know where you were going with it. I'm like, all right. I I thought this was a JB and Pistol podcast, not JB and Cheeso. Fair I, enough. I didn't expect that sort of vulgar attitude um Lockie Ash I just I, I really from what I've seen in the last 12 months of him think he's going to be a superstar just like Shoal um, I think he's going to be a staple in our defense and with Zach Williams leaving I think there is a position in their defense I just am not sure if Lockie's going to get it completely um they've got another man who we're going to talk about later coming um who has stepped into that role in the past, has a bit more time under his belt in the AFL system. 
and has looked incredibly posed um, when playing that role. So my concern with Lockie Ash is that somehow with a player leaving the role, there are still too many players suitable for that role at GWS. So maybe not the season for him, but I understand the allure. What do you, what do you think about Ash? I mean, a massive ball winner at junior levels, obviously listed as a defender and super coach, makes me you know think, oh, this could be an option. The problem I have is he didn't really use the ball super well, and he was like he he looks like he will be good in the future. But again, he was so raw last season when he came in. He had games where he had four touches, um, you know uninjured uh, games where he had six touches this is not really good enough he did he did finish the year with a 93 and an 82 from 15 touches and 18 touches but um, it's just not he's not consistent enough there's there's massive variance in his scores like seriously you got a 25 a 39 and then you know 93 and 82 like good and bad not enough where I see him suddenly consistently scoring 80 plus and being a fieldable option I think um, even without Zach Williams last season um, he played seven games with him and five games without him and if just without him he averaged 65 it's just even if he takes his game up a notch I still think again it's one year too early on this selection yeah I, I personally as much as I, I enjoy Lockie Ash I think we're at least two years away from this selection I think he's got a lot of um, a lot of fitting in to do. I think Scholl's probably more of a ready-made super coach option. Um, I can't quite justify the Ash pick this year, um, and I think I'll be saying the same next year when we discuss him in the same podcast. So the next one on our list is Ryan Burton. So I've somehow swindled a port player in here. Um, <laughs> 318k. Um, they have North and Essen in the first two matches, so a decent opening draw for Burton. I think it's as simple as... Um, he has scoring potential. He has de- probably some of the better scoring potential of, of the players that we're going to talk about on this list. But for some reason, in the last year and a half, he's also had a really low floor. Um, and that being injury-affected games or just playing more of a lockdown defender role in the port side. I think with the emergence of Dan Houston as a good intercept defender, um, the emergence of probably the, the 20 others, Trent McKenzie, now we've got Alir Alir. Um, there are players that play the Burton role as well as Burton coming out of left, right and centre um, for Port. And they're in a window now where they think they can compete for a premiership. Um, so I think Burton's going to be a team player. And unfortunately, Burton's probably going to spend time on the sidelines this year as well. So it makes it tough to, to really justify the selection. But the high scoring potential for me pistol is is promising at least i don't really think i've got anything to add to that about burton i mean he he had one good year um at hawks where he averaged 83 but we just different role kind of um at pod as you said so i'm not quite sure he's going to hit those heights um again so yeah it's i wish he got that role because i think he's the best in our in our team he and houston are the best in our team at that role um, it's just he's too good a one-on-one defender compared to someone like Darcy Byrne-Jones um, to be able to stay in the role because um, we've got a lot of rebounding defenders and a lot of intercept markers, so it does make it tough for him. Uh, I don't think he's a huge option this year. No, fair enough. Well, next up we have Miller, um, about 315k down back. And Miller is interesting because he's in a lot of people's sides. And I think... Uh, 
I, I don't actually know how I feel about this. Uh, I think it might be in too many sides for my liking. Um, he, What's he the percentage? Scored, I don't know. Don't have it on off on the top of my head. <laughs> but uh, I Sorry. think no, that's okay. I think Miller is somebody that would score very well off the halfback flank. He has in the past. He put in a string of you know 80s. Um, scores together, and I was like, yeah, okay, he's looking very good off the halfback flank. And then he got moved further up the ground. They did try him in the midfield a little bit and then played off half forward, and his super coach score sucked. And whether we like it or not this year, Adelaide Crows are stacked off the halfback line. Uh, you know, obviously, they've got Scholl and Hamill and Brody Smith. They've just got too many good options there. And Miller has been training in the midfield group, you know, touted to play a wing role. And it's, it sounds great in theory oh, as a defender playing in the midfield, but gee, I don't know an outside wingman in a team that is probably not going to have you know control of the game. It doesn't really sound like a a great recipe. He's someone who gets uses a ball well, uses his run and carry, his speed. He's not like a massive ball winner. I'm not really sure how he's going to go off the wing. I mean, wingmen typically don't score super well unless they rack up heaps of possessions, and I can't see him doing that. So for me, at 315k, you really need him. Like, worst case, he has to be able to average 85, and I don't I don't think he's going to even get there. I think he's more realistically going to fall short between the 80 and 85 range, JB. I have him at about a 78 average. So not only have we not really seen the scoring from him, because he's very young as well, um, we haven't had a lot of time to see the scoring, and the biggest issue that you didn't even mention because you were talking about his scoring potential is his injury history. Yes. He's been injured every single year now, and um, as as much as I think he's talented and he, he's got a lot of promise, and in two or three years we could be looking at someone averaging 85+, plus. I struggle to believe that someone that missed about an entire season last year, or it might have been the entire season last year, sorry, I wasn't following the close too closely, Pistol, um, <laughs> is now going to come in an average 85 off the wing for a probable bottom four side. It just, it doesn't scream good value to me. Um, and 312k, if he was maybe 280, 250, and he, and he had to average only 80 to get that, I could probably, I could see the upside there. Um, but 312k, having to average 85 plus to either make his money or be a potential keeper is just, it's just too much for me, I think, with Miller. So, yeah. Um, like in, it, it, we'll we'll discuss the top three and bottom three later. But in my opinion, I haven't had him in any of my teams uh, to this stage. So the next one on the list, two hundred and eighty-eight k, is coming for um, GWS. So someone who I think you and I kind of agree is is best suited to be the Zach Williams replacement um, full time. I think Lockie Ash would do it part time during quarters, during games, during halves. Um, whatever it might be, but Isaac Cumming, I think, is the main guy um, pegged for this role going forward. What are your your raw thoughts on Isaac Cumming? So last season, there was a lot of hype. He came out in the preseason, he scored 110 and then 88 in his two preseason games, and then during the season proper, he only managed to score... Oh, that's our first season proper. <laughs> Wait, we, we got to... Let, let's, let's just take a moment to acknowledge our first season proper. <laughs> He averaged during the season proper, JB, um, you know, very poorly. And when we look into that a little bit further, the difference was during the season he played alongside Zach Williams and in the preseason games where he scored really well, Zach Williams wasn't playing. So I think that gives me a bit of faith and hope that 
you know, when Zach Williams doesn't play, coming can score better. And he had really good roles in those preseason games. He had lots of kicks and he had lots of marks, you know, controlling the ball a lot more. And Whitfield did play and Shaw did play. And obviously Shaw's now out. Probably, they say, replaced by Ward, whatever it may be. Ash played alongside him and he still scored well. So it's going to be a very similar setup in their back line as they had in that preseason when in those games where he did score well. So... Hopefully, we can see the same thing in this year's preseason, and then I'll know for sure that, all right, coming is going to be a good selection. I think he could be a real smoky, particularly with Whitfield. We're not really sure if he's going to make round one or not, or if he's going to be out long-term. We don't know what's going on. But if Whitfield's not playing, coming without Core, who's left the club, coming's probably in line to also take the kickouts. For GWS, which is a huge boost, particularly at his price point, 288k, just to be a, you know, somewhat of a win. If he can average 80, which I think with kickouts makes that really reasonable, um, he could easily average, uh, make you, you know, 150k, which we would need as a, a cash cow. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely much higher on coming compared to a lot of these other picks, JB. I don't really have a lot to add to that. I think I agree with a lot of what you said. If we see the preseason role, then I think it's enough to... If, if For those teams that have this type of slot available in their team, I think it's enough to uh, look at him really fondly and, and at least compare him to the other guys who you're considering. So um, the next player that we have on the list is Hayden Young, uh, priced at a good 279k, so 9k cheaper than coming. Um, Hayden Young's an interesting one because, in my opinion, most of his value rests in the fact that he has one of the best kicks at the club and could be taking or sharing the kickouts with Luke Ryan, which at his price, Hayden Young's price, gives him a really good floor. Um, besides that, he did he did turn up in a game last year, which is excellent considering it was his first season. Um, so we do know he has the pedigree. He's got a good intercept mark. He, he's really good in most facets um, as, as far as halfback defenders go. Um, but I think the kickouts for me is the main thing I need to see from him in preseason. Yeah, it's a bit interesting because the quote from the Fremantle player was when Hayden Young takes the kick out, you know, it adds something special, blah, blah, blah. He didn't say like, you know, every time he's going to take the kick. He just said when, as in like it happened. Doesn't mean that it's or like, going. He didn't to... say now that Hayden Young's. Yeah, something yeah. Like that. It definitely wasn't like a commitment that Hayden Young is going to have it. Um, I think for me, I like that he's got an injury affected bonus. Like he scored one point against Saints because he got injured, so he's already reduced on because of his injury affected game as well. He's clearly better than his average suggests. It's like. Is he, though, an 80 average player? I need him to be 80 to make the right amount of money. And if he doesn't have kickouts, and I, I kind of struggle to think that... I know he's a great kick of the ball, but like Luke Ryan's a good kickout taker as well, and Luke Ryan uses the ball well. Um, yep. I feel like the... You know, why change it up? Like, if I guess if Hayden Young is closer to the ball when it's gone as through for a behind, like, he might take it. But I don't think it's going to be, like... I just, I'd love to see him be on all the kickouts. I don't think it's going to be as big thing as people are hoping. I think he'll get some, but not many kickouts. And then he really is going to have to earn his points. And um, I guess he will have almost the perfect role for Fremantle. He'll be running off the halfback flank. You, you can't really ask for more. 
It's just, is he good enough to average 80 plus? Um, he has the pedigree. Um, I think he can. I think he's going to be a player that we select. Like, I'm certain we will be selecting him in the future. He's definitely going to be a good super coach player. I want to I pick agree. him this year. He's been in my in and out of my side a lot this preseason. I just don't know if it's going to be this year. I want to see him in, in the practice game. I'll say if he, if he comes out in the practice game and he goes like 90 plus, I'd probably start him because I'm pretty confident then in his ability um, to be able to do it. I just I just need to see it. And if he comes out in, in the practice game and scores 40, I'm going to be like, Ugh, what are we doing here? Um, and then it'll be done. So he's someone that's probably at the very, very top of my watch list uh, this preseason. I have a question in regards to Hayden Young that I don't think is getting any attention. He obviously got injured for that, that one um, and then missed the rest of the season, was it? Yeah, pretty much, yep. He was injured to start the year as well, by memory. That's why he didn't debut early. Is he injury-prone? Are we? Should we be considering the fact that he... I know he's young, but he was, he's now had two <laughs> LTIs in one year. Well, the first one, he still made a early season debut. We can argue that debut. it wasn't an LTI, blah, blah, blah. But like he, he's had two, he's had two injuries. injuries that would have us trade him out of Supercoach at one point or another if he was in our team and playing. Yeah, I, I just think the sample size is too small. It's only been his first season. If he doesn't get another knock this whole year, you probably ignore that You probably happened. do. Yeah. But at this stage, when, when weighing up the risk factor, comparing him to someone like Cumming or a couple of the next guys, injury proneness could be a thing that we haven't actually considered for Hayden Young. And it could be the factor that gets someone off the fence when deciding between two players. Sure. A lot of these players are mid-prices because they just have averaged poor in the past and they either have a role change and that's why we're talking about them or we think they're yeah. going to improve. There's not too many that had big injury-affected scores as defenders um, you know, as the reason why we would consider them. So it is a very good point you bring up. Next player is Orazio Fantasia, um, obviously a new Port Adelaide recruit. We're talking about him in the defender line by no mistake. He is defense and forward eligible this year, funnily enough. Um, he, to me, is an interesting one. And please shoot me down if I'm showing bias I here. will. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in the preseason match, uh, the the intra club match that Port had, he kicked a couple of goals. So we know that he's fit. I'm not taking his performance in into consideration. We know that he's fit. He's kicked a couple of goals. Um, he played a a higher half forward, so um, sort of going towards the stoppages uh, in the wing area, and then being one of those link men getting into the forward line, and then obviously. Um, when the ball's bounced, he's one of the forwards, so he's now now a rover or a lead-up target. Um, so that's his role. That's the role I think he'll have all season. That's the reason Rosie and um, Butters are under people's consideration due to more midfield time because of someone like Arazio. Um He has not played in a top-four side before, and a lot of people are predicting Port will be around that range. Um, he, as a forward... I'm saying here a lot. I seem to be stopping and starting a lot. Um, <laughs> we could be seeing we could be seeing something for the first time with Arazio. He's averaged eighty plus um, in a team that didn't make the finals. He's kicked, um, I think it was thirty plus goals in a season for a team that barely made the finals and lost to Sydney Week One. We could be seeing an Arazio that is in a top four side, um, caters to his game style, 
Um, and we could see a mix of the two, uh, a good a good scoring year and a high goal tally year. Uh, the only thing is obviously the injury proneness, which is not just huge. one small little castaway thing. It's huge. It's massive. He doesn't he doesn't play games. But going to a new club um, with a decent injury history, if you look at our last few seasons, um, I think is a bit of a factor. But I just I just want to hear your thoughts from an unbiased point of view as to whether you think Fantasia could be an option for our Super Coach sides at 270k forward defender status. I must say the DPP is very interesting, but when I look at him, he's never played a full season. He's played five games last year, 14 games the year before that, 13 before that. He's missed significant chunks of football before. In that game, in that year where he had 13 games, he averaged his career high 83 points. In the year where he averaged over two goals a game, he nearly kicked 40 goals in 2017, and he only averaged 73 JB, I think I know he's going to get more opportunities in a team that is expected to finish in the top four, but I still feel like he's one of those players that's going to need to kick three goals a game just to score 80-plus points. There's games here where he scored five goals and not tunned up, and he won the game in those games as well. It wasn't in a blowout. like He was the difference. Um, so I just I can see him in big wins scoring well. He is a forward. However, there's so much like problems that I see with this pick as well, on top of the injury history. Uh, obviously, you have North Melbourne Essen in the first two games, and you'll probably absolutely smash them. I say you as you are Port Adelaide. And yep. <laughs> he will score well in those two games. But then I worry about the next six or seven fixtures. He could be one of those players that just scores 60s and it's like well rookie might score the same and cost you 150k less and he'll make less money than a rookie and then it just kind of feels like a bit of a wasted pick yeah i mean i think we think that he's a better player than that than than putting out 60s in a team that is is going to win a lot of games this year um but the injury concern is the most relevant thing in the world with this guy so it does make it impossible to pick. We're going to move on to the next one. Jordan Clark for Geelong. Uh, shout out to Slacker Tony for this one. He held us at gunpoint to put this in the podcast. <laughs> so here it is. Um, now, potential role change, potentially not in the best 22. Jordan Clark's a really interesting one for me. He's uh, around 240K. He's very cheap. If he plays, I like him as a player. I just want to start by saying I loved him in his rookie year. Owning him as a rookie was awesome. Uh, watching him in his few games last year it was great as well. I think he brings leg speed to that team that almost no other player on the list provides. Um, if he plays as a wingman and gets 15 games in this season, I think there's a chance that he's one of the better mid-prices. But it's almost impossible to start with him and I don't want to make your conclusion for you, Pistol, because I'm really interested in what you have to say. Um, it makes it tough to start him when we don't know if he's going to play 10 games this year, let alone 15 plus. What do you think? Well, I like that he's 240k. That's pretty cheap. And he has defensive midfielder DPP, which is also quite nice. I mean, at his price, he only really needs to average 70 to make close to 150k. Which I think is so, like, more than capable of doing. Yeah, I just, look, he, one, I'm concerned about his side, his, his 
Geelong having enough you know um, players out that will allow him into the side. I know obviously at the moment um, Mitch Duncan has an injury and that actually might be the key for him starting the season. But I do wonder when Mitch Duncan is back, you know, who goes out. They kind of would need to reshuffle and maybe kick someone like Buse out of the side for, for Clark to remain in it. Um, so one, I have massive question marks over his job security, which isn't a good sign. Two, he has those stinkers as well. He has games where um, he just gets like seven touches and scores like 40 super coach points. And you don't want that on your field. You don't want that when you've paid more for rookies, um, especially you know when you're paying a premium. I'm looking at his first year scores, and obviously um, when he when he eclipsed you know 20 touches, he scored above 80s. And there's quite a few. There's five scores above 80. So he has, I guess, potential to score that high. It's just not on a consistent basis. And even when playing in a wing in Geelong, I'm not sure it will be on a consistent basis. Um, but for me, I, I think I, I can't get over the lack of job security when you're paying more for a rookie. I think if you're paying more, you need to get a combination of scoring potential increase and job security increase. And I don't think he's got more job security than some other rookies. Yeah, job security, yeah, the biggest concern with scoring potential still being a slight concern as well. So doesn't make for a great combination, but I see the potential there and I, I really do enjoy him as a player. So worst case scenario, if we don't pick him, we'll be we'll be watching him with interest. Um, Will Hamill, the second to last player I have on the list for defenders here, 210k. Now, you put this on the list pistol, so I'm going to let you talk about him. <laughs> Thank you for that. I have nothing to say about Will Hamill. Okay, well... Will Hamill is, I don't know if people have watched him play, but he is very exciting. He's like lightning quick, off the halfback for Adelaide. Um, a good decision maker, good ball user. Um, there was a lot to like. The only problem, which is a massive problem for a it's super a coach yep. selection, is that he is not a high possession winner. I'm talking he averaged eight possessions last year. That's not a mistake. He Average eight. Um, he had non-injury affected scores below 20. Uh, two of them. How many? <laughs> more than know? one. Yes. Two of it, them. It was more than one. It was shocking. He did have an injury affected four. So he is underpriced, but he's not really that much underpriced when he had scores of 22, 13, 18. Uh, but he did have a score of 96, JB. So for Will Hamill, it's all about increasing that floor. Um, and you know, trying to push him up towards 350k. But for me, look, the selling point of Will Hamill isn't his scoring potential, really. It's his job security. If he's fit, he'll play, you know, every game for the Adelaide Crows because they have to get games. They have to get games into him. He's going to be a big part of their team in the future. Um, it looks like he's going to be a really good player for them. So he's more of a contingency plan if there's. Uh, you know, no rookies available in round one, and you're like, oh, what should we do? Um, who can we get? It's just more of a, okay, guys, he is there, 210K. He will play. He has some upside, but I wouldn't otherwise start him. Finally, Lockie Young is our last defender pick before we rank them. 202K, I believe. That's that's a complete guess because he's out of my price range that I've sorted my list for. Um now, he again, we're going to talk about job security. Does he have a role in that North Melbourne team? I think a lot of people have the idea that North hunted him in the off-season 
um, and got a price and traded for him. I, I'm not sure that was exactly the case. I don't, I don't know if they hunted for him. I don't know if he's got a spot in their best 22. I'm interested in what you have to say, Pistol, but uh, for me, as it is, I haven't had Lockie Young in a, in a draft side of mine for a, a while. <laughs> um, so I guess since this is going to probably come up multiple times, um, we had a keeper league, and in the grand final, I needed a playing bench defender, and I picked up uh, Young, and he scored, I think it was like 13 points on my bench, and led me to a ring. So it was well worth it in the end. But um, look, Young is priced at nothing, basically. He's 200k. Yeah. It's, he's got DPP. It's helpful. I think what I see is uh, two games in 2018 where he averaged 65, uh, four games in 2019 where he averaged 61. So you're thinking he might be able to average 60. And then last season, um, basically just got played one game and was out the door um, after it. So I don't really know exactly if he's going to slot into that halfback line for North. Um, they do have quite a lot of defenders um, available. Not sure. Like Zebul, McDonald, and about 15 others playing across that halfback line. I think he'll be trialed as like one, like if he's good, he'll stay in. And if he's not good, he won't. I don't know if he'll get that opportunity from round one. Um, I don't think he's got much of a upside outside of, you know, I mean, 60 is probably not enough at his inflated price. If he had good job security, I'd probably be trying to sell him harder. But just because he doesn't have job security, um, it's probably a, a pass. But it's definitely someone that we had to talk about. Okay. I know who your top three is. I could guess it right now, and I'd get it, Do it. 100% accurate. In if order. Harms, In- Cumming, and Young. Okay, fine. Now, Which Young? Hate <laughs> it. Okay, young. fine. Yeah, they are my top three. Just, just over lucky. Okay, so I want to hear your bet, your your best of the next two. I wouldn't pick another mid pricer. I mean, probably just that. That can be your answer. If if, if I would think Harms, coming even, in Young are your three only options from that list, then answer that way. That's fine. For me, they're my only three, and that's only if Hayden Young looks the goods in the preseason game. Otherwise, I. I, I feel quite strongly on Harms. Um, coming, I feel quite good about if Whitfield's out, which I think he will be, and then Young is just a preseason watch. The rest of them, I'm not even making any sort of variations where they're in my side. I'll be honest. Given Port's injury history and our lack thereof, I if Fantasia has a good role in the preseason there is a world in which I can see him being in my forward line. But that would be... So much port bias. Come on. It, no, look, it's, un, it's unlikely, but you can't, you can't deny he has had scoring potential in the past. He's in a very new situation, a new club, a better team than he's ever been in. Sorry, Essendon fans, but it's true. Um, it wouldn't shock you if he averaged 75 plus this year. He's only 270K. No, yeah. I don't know if that's enough. It's probably... Just not enough. But JB, if you had Butters and Rosie in your side as well, it's preseason. Have I? Yeah. Or do I currently? No, no. Have you had them in your your team? I don't. I'm I'm unsure on the relevance. <laughs> okay, of the so I just want to see your fourth line with Butters, Rosie, Fantasia, and he's just like, I'm not biased. They're just all good picks. I mean, look, <laughs> we're going to get to Rosie later. 
but I won't hear anything negative about Butters and Rosie. Okay. All right. Why don't you take us? We're, we're doing it. We're, we're doing a complete pro section for Connor <laughs> when we get to him later. <laughs> Why don't we the first take us midfielder the before midfield. you segue Jeez. me. The first midfielder. Gee, I feel like I feel like I'm in one of those old like comedy things where they they you see the hook coming out onto the stage and it grabs like the guy and pulls him in. You know. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. like you're hooking me. Yeah. You're hooking up with me. No. Anyway. Um. Tom Green, 351k GWS midfielder. Um, I'm going to straight out say I understand the. I understand why people are seeing Tom Green as a potential really good mid-pricer because Tom Green's dad, Clayton Oliver, did exactly what people are hoping <laughs> he would do this year, um, and that's average about 110 in his second year. Um, I'm here to say that that sort of thing doesn't happen often, and just because they both have the same colored hair, um, and same body types, it does not mean Tom Green's going to come out and average 110. Um, his price at 350k, I love him. I think he's a great player. Um, I think he plays a, a lot too much forward time this year, uh, considering GWS have 527 midfielders that they can't all fit in there. Um, and I, I just think when he's in there, he'll be great. But when he's not in there, he'll be invisible. And that will probably equate to around a 70 average, 75 average. Which for three hundred and fifty k, I hate passionately. So, what what are your thoughts? Well, I just I kind of don't understand how people like both Taranto and Green because for me they it's one or the other that's going to get the benefit of this midfield time, not both of them. Um, if we look at their centre bounces, it might be neither of them. It, it might be neither of them. But if we look at the centre bounces from last season, it looked like Taranto, who missed the first six rounds, we had Tom Green in the side for four of them, getting about 40% CBAs. As soon as Taranto came back in the side, Tom Green didn't play. And then right in the final two rounds, uh, Cornelio missed a game. Um, and. Uh, Tom Green played the last two and his CBAs were still quite low even with a, I guess, partially deconstructed midfield um, and those players that were in that game with him in the midfield are pretty much all there as well. Only Zach Williams has departed. Um, I get that DeBoer might be squeezed out, fine and I can see Taranto getting more midfield time but at the end of the day, they still have Hopper who's pretty much getting all the CBAs. Canelio, I guess if you think he's done as a footballer and must play forward, then I kind of can see it, but I, I think he's just had a bad year. Um, you know, co-captain of the club, he's just going to come out, I think, um, prove everyone wrong. He, he's He's been a good midfielder for seasons. He had an off year. I think Canelio is going to get back to his best. That's two gun mids. And then you have Josh Kelly that also averaged about 45% CBAs. And there's not too many left to go around. It's probably going to go to Taranto. Um, and if not You've Taranto... You've got Toby Green stepping in there occasionally. Exactly. You've got... DeBoer, you, you if he has to tag. so many players, man. So many players. I mean... Uh, like... An, I like Tom Green as much as I'm sure I know you do as well as a player. And I actually owned him as a rookie. I was one of the rare players to have him as a rookie. And he, I think he had that one game where he had like five or six disposals in the last five minutes of gameplay and kept on getting contested disposals where he shoveled the handball out and, and hit someone on the run on the outside of the pack. And I swear it flashed before my eyes, but I thought for a second he was Clayton Oliver. So I understand the confusion, but he's, 
not. And he's not going to get the midfield time that Oliver did in his second year. In fact, he's probably not even going to get a fraction of it. So um, Tom Green, I just think, is two years away from being a super coach option. I mean, if Taranto is going to play forward and they're going to use him as a marking target, then he can get enough... Then Tom Green can get enough midfield time to be relevant. I just... In my opinion, which doesn't hold, I guess, that much weight, I would say Taranto is probably going to be in the midfield ahead of him. Um, and in that case, I, I can't really see Tom Green doing enough to be worth it at 360k. Because at 360k, JB, what what do you want from him? Because if you're trying to make you know 150k to get to 510, plus. he has to average over 100. So it's not a cash cow. At least 90 plus. It, it can't be a cash cow. Um, you really need him to go 90 plus. Um, it's just it's a it's a if he was maybe 40k or 50k cheaper i'd probably be considering it a lot more but yeah trying to get 90 plus out at that more inflated price i just i can't i can't really see it well i can see it working but i just think it's a really low percentage play and an unnecessary gamble that we just don't need to take this year so such so, so, just it's the lowest percentage play. Anyway, we're going to move on. Braden Sire is the next player. I'm unsure as to how he got on this list. I assume it's because you constructed it yourself. Um, I'm having a look at this list of midfielders. You're going to struggle to name a top two, um, <laughs> let alone a top three. Braden Sire, I understand he has good scoring potential. He's shown that his entire career so far. He's got a big body. He gets contested disposals. Um, he does find a lot of the appeal when he's in and amongst that midfield group. Um, but he does not play football. What do you mean um, he doesn't so play football? He he just does not play games of football. Yeah, he's never had space for him. Now Trelaw's gone. Now he can he's going to play now, football. Now you, now you think all the space in the world is carved out for Brad. If Braden Sire was good enough, he would have that space carved out for him. You played Rupert Willis for like eight games last Rupert year. Rupert Wills is fine. He, he was fine. I, I like Rupert Wills. I had a nice chat to him. I'm sure he's fine, but Sire <laughs> nice can, can't be that good. Smart. He's doing if, well. If, he's, if he can't push Wills out of, the, out of the team, he can't be that good. So his job security just can't be that good. Look, I and think his, where... his scoring potential is okay, but he's 313k. You need 85 to 90 plus. Yeah, look, as a column squad, I think Trelaw is out and it's now Sire's time to step up. It's If he doesn't make this year his own, which I think he will. But if he doesn't, I don't know what future he's going to have at the club because there's, there's no better time than right now. I think he's going to be given the chance when we start the season round one. I think he's going to be in the center square and they're going to say, this is your year. You're a big-bodied midfielder. Just go and make it your own. Do your thing. And look, we saw in 2018, his first eight games, he averaged 80. He's got good scoring potential. He, he's good. He's a good player. Um, like, it just... He doesn't play enough, and 80 is still just not enough either. 80 is not enough, I agree. Um, but he's also 50k cheaper than Tom Green, um, so he doesn't need to average. <laughs> we just we just spat on Tom Green as a selection. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying in comparison, he's 50k cheaper, um, and I think if he gets to you know 85, that instantly makes him a much more successful pick. Um, you know, than than Tom Green, I would definitely be taking Braden Sire above Tom Green um, until we know okay. any more information. But I'm now not going to compare them because I don't think Tom Green's a good pick. I think Sire is fine. Like I really think if he makes it his own, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a mid pricer that everyone was looking to get. You know, after the first two rounds. 
I just wouldn't I never want to hear you. I just wouldn't start say anything about me being biased ever again. You just said he's a good scorer and you're worried about his job security. I'm saying he's lock and loaded round one. So what's the issue? Well, still his job security and the fact that he's not, <laughs> not good enough as a as a scorer. He's he's a good scorer, but that was for three hundred three years K, ago. He averaged eighty. Do you think he's got better? I mean, he has oh he God, has regressed in ago? all of his stats in three the last years ago? three years. Yeah, it's going to be better oh now Lord. than three years ago. He has to be. We, I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen him for three years. He has to be better than three years ago. Is he still playing social basketball? Do you think? <laughs> Look. By chance, we'll see. do you think he's gone out there and played since? <laughs> Probably not. I think we'll see in the preseason <laughs> game. He'll likely, unless injury, will line up in the centre square. We'll get a good look at him. If he scores really well, there'll be a lot of Heppel or Haightley owners that are like, oh, which one should I get? There's now another option thrown into the mix. But we want to highlight well, it early and say he's already in the mix. He's just not being considered. Well, let's discuss Heppel. He, he's the next guy on the list despite being more expensive than Sire. So Sorry, I put him in the wrong you. order. Yeah, 319 k <laughs> He's 319k, um, owned by every man and his dog. Um, it's the it, I think it's the history a lot of people are liking for Heppel. He, he tends to average 90-plus when he steps on the field. Um, he's going to be playing a different role this year, but I, I don't, I'm not sure if it really matters. Um, he's just a decent player he has the pedigree um he has the injuries as well as almost every other player that we've gone through on this list which is um the big the big cross against his name but he did just play the intra-club match uh looked great off of halfback by all reports kicked the goal from halfback um i think if heppel lines up round one we have the best player priced at around 300k um when it comes to betting on someone to average 90 95 plus Look, his past seasons, he averaged 66 last year from his three games. Before that, in order, I'm reading back from 2019, he had 95, 102, 100, 104, 106, 91, 84, 83. So his debut season was 83. He's priced at way less than that, playing in a similar role to how he debuted off you know, the halfback flank as well. I think, one, it's probably better for his sore foot if he's not in the thick of things um two he he's had this recurring foot injury which is like the biggest pain in the ass but outside of that he's not injury prone he's barely missed any games except for his foot that's the only problem and it is a massive issue um i just think that if you're going to gamble on somebody at this price i'd rather pick someone who when he plays he scores really well and his bad scores are because he's been injured like, yes, the risk is real. He will get injured and we'll have to trade him out. And if he doesn't get injured for the first six games of the season, he's probably averaging 90. And at that price, that's bloody fantastic. And he'll be an early upgrade. Good. For me, I have a, already a plan for him. It's start Heppel, trade him to Titch when Titch is fit. Like, when that is ready, he's already at an inflated price. You know, use that one up, one down and just get him to a premium that I want in my midfield like Titch, who I really want to start, and I can't if he's out for round one or in doubt for round one. So he just adds, he brings, I think, a lot of value to our sides. He really reminds me of Liberatore a couple of years ago, um, how he just had that scoring history for days and was priced at about 300K, and everyone said, because um, he was coming back from a year pretty much on 
on the piss in Bali. Um, <laughs> ACL, yeah. Ev- everyone was saying, <laughs> everyone was saying that you know he might be a little bit past it. He'd be lucky to average eighty. Um, good super coach players and good AFL players just tend to come out and take care of their stuff. So Luba had a better role that year, but Heppel coming off of halfback just just might be fine. He, he, like we we can't really rule out a good pedigree super coach scorer. Um, on a half-pack flank, which is generally a good role for most players anyway, um, just because you know we didn't see much of him last year. So I'm confident in the Heppel pick. I think he's, I think he's going to be your number one pick when we go through our apparent top three from this line. We have two more players to <laughs> I mean, discuss. JB, people saying they're not selecting him because he won't average over 80. He's never averaged under 80. Even last season, he got injured. And scored a thirty-four, but his other two games averaged more than eighty. Like he just doesn't I know. score. He doesn't worse than that. So I don't even know good what the players and good scorers just score and play, like play well. He was so it's, one it's, of the first players it's I selected for me. Yeah, he's just straight in my team. Jackson Hately for the Adelaide Crows, former GWS Giant, three hundred and ten k. For me, this is the most. Awkward price Jackson Haley could possibly be priced at. If he was 280k, I'd probably have him. If he was 350k, I wouldn't have considered him for a second. He's 310k. The only thing that is making me look at him for more than the one second glance that every other mid price so far has gotten in this midfield line is the fact that he has scored well in his very limited game time, and he's kind of like. He's like pen, like he's he's like untapped potential for super coach players. He's sort of he's teased us with some good scores. Um, he hasn't been in the most friendly role to get those good scores, and now he's at Adelaide, who apparently have a midfield slot for him, um, and that untapped potential could see him go ninety plus. But per everyone's expectations, based on what we've seen, uh, probably fantasy rather than reality. Um, Hately, I think, is one of those biggest, one of the biggest teasers, I think, so far in Supercoach this year. What do you think about him? I think I disagree with a lot of people on the Hately pick. I, I don't think there's a midfield role for him in the side. I think they've got the big three. I agree. I think they've got big three midfielders of Laird, Matt Crouch, and Sloan, and I think that they're, they're going to lead the line. Then there's going to be those other midfielders that rotate throughout, like Schoenberg, who was really good last season. Malera is supposed to be getting midfield time. Well, inside midfield time, we're talking. I think Haitley. He might. No, Malera might may, as well. Maybe. I, I, I don't. I just think that they've still got, like they were trialing, obviously, Ned McHenry at stages last season. Chase Jones oh is still... God exists i'm pretty sure <laughs> um he does look Haitley, they said he's had an outstanding training session um they've pretty much said he's been leading the way and he does everything right and that's awesome and i'm happy for him i just don't think that guarantees him a first choice midfield starting spot i think he's going to be playing a really dodgy role where he has some midfield rotations and the rest on the half forward and you don't want to pick yep. at adelaide crow's half forward because the ball's not also going to be there that much, and he's going to be stuck in the similar role than he got stuck when he got stuck at GWS. I don't think there's going to be that much difference between this year and you know the previous years, except he's going to play more games, and even then, you know, a couple of bad games is probably out of the 22 as well. I, I think we're probably going to get like 80 out of him, and that's fine, but it's not a win at his price. 
I, I'm not even sure he'll go 80. I think more 70, 75. Um, oh, that's low. I think the, the, yeah, I think the forward time's a real, a real issue. He's playing for Adelaide. At bottom, we'll be generous to say six team. Um, their forwards aren't going to average well, any of them. So the fact that he's probably going to play like a 70-30 forward midfield split and that 30 might be on a wing, it just it honestly just does not get me enthusiastic at all. And the past good, in quotation marks, good scoring that Haitley's had isn't even that good. He's had bad games too. Um, and the fact that, as you mentioned, he's not even... He's, he's not in their best, I'm going to say, 18 players... So he's in that next sort of four players fighting for their spot every single week. He could get dropped any given week. He he's one of the most concerning picks, and I see him in, in far too many teams. So I forgot, I'm very I forgot Ben Keys as well. Ben Keys is good. They've got so many midfields that we haven't mentioned and because they're Adelaide, and we don't know half the midfields. <laughs> they, they have a lot of midfielders. They drafted Barry and uh, Pedler, and uh, um, Barry's going to hopefully be a really good super coach pick and both of these guys will come into the side at some stage and I wouldn't be surprised if Barry was in I saw Barry in Haightley out at some stage as well like these are very real Probably possibilities <laughs> maybe these are definitely very real possibilities um I think he'll get first choice chance to be in the round one side I just don't think he's going to last even up until his bye um the the last thing I'll yeah. say on it is is GWS fought for Coldwell and got a good pick for him, and they let Haitley walk. I think that well, that's couldn't do anything. Sort of speaks to it a little bit. Crows could have no, picked him up they, in the preseason for nothing. They so could, like, same thing could have happened with Dangerfield to Geelong. Yeah, they were still a trade negotiated. So yeah, I don't know. I I, yeah. I just I just don't think I like. I'm not saying that's a big factor. Like, oh my god, GWS hate him and they think he's terrible. No, but I just, things is he like that. that things like that just JB? don't. That's what I mean. I don't, I don't, as in, like, as a, as a as a player, I, I don't think he's damaging enough with the ball. I'm not Good sure. Good players he's, don't walk from clubs for I, I free. Don't I'm think telling you he's that he's what Adelaide Crows needs in their long term future either. Um, I think he's a good stopgap measure for the next couple of years while they develop. But yeah, I've I have a lot of concerns about this pick. Lastly, Rory Atkins, 244k, New Gold Coast son, former Adelaide Crow, who we're just speaking about. Um, I think the, the allure behind him is he's 244k. Um, they went out of their way to actually recruit him to the club. He's a bit of an old head nowadays, um, so good for the younglings. But I do think he has a role on the wing, um, at least part-time at Gold Coast. Um, I think Gold Coast are good. I think he could probably average maybe 70 on a wing, 65-70. I, I don't think it's enough. I don't think he's... Like relevant enough um, to talk about in, in too much depth. What do you think about Atkins? Um, firstly, I hate when you call people old heads and they're younger than me. He's only 26 years old. <laughs> so thank you for He's that. He's been in the system for eight years, Pistol. Uh, look, you are an old head. Uh, I just look at his scores and last year he went 50. The previous five years, 75, 76, 78, 74... And, you know, 56 in his first year. He, he's pretty consistent where he just plugs away at 75 yeah. on a wing. Um, when you sign someone to a long-term contract like they did, it just makes me think that he is going to have a spot in their best 22 and probably average 75 because that's what Atkins does. He just averages 75. Although I'm pretty sure I, there was an article yesterday that said he 
had an interrupted preseason and he was like coaching in the practice match or something like that. So I didn't even know if he was going to play around. Every one. single player in the AFL has had an interrupted preseason, but yeah, even if he was fully fit, I don't think he is. But if he was fully fit, to get seventy-five average at his price is also fine. But you probably take you know a hundred k victory and then call it a day. Um, I think he's one of those players. Uh, in a similar vein to Jordan Clark, where it's like a panic if not enough rookies are named, and you're like, uh oh, I need someone that's going to play. And if he's named round one, you're like, well, at least Rory Atkins will play most weeks. And you could kind of use him as an expensive rookie, but he's definitely not somebody that I'm lining up to put into my side. I think that summarizes it quite well. So if you want to rank your top three pistol, what do you think? My top three. That's what we're doing, okay. top, three. top three, even on the next line. Look, I, I would be putting Heppel into my side pretty comfortably. Um, outside that, I wouldn't be touching any of these until the preseason <laughs> games, that's for sure. Nice. Not at all. So we've got a top Zero. one for you. Top one. All right, excellent. Um, <laughs> the next line is Ruck, and we're going to try... Wait, we'll be going for about an hour. We're going to try and get a little bit more pace about us, Pistol. I would like you to stop waffling on. Um, Hickey is our only Ruckman to discuss and I've been searching for him for about 30 minutes straight trying to find his price and I've not been able to locate it can you help me out there? <laughs> I can't but off the top of my head it's like 234k or something like that so he's pretty That's cheap what I thought he's pretty cheap he's some, something like that um, he's cheaper than Proust so I know a lot of people, as soon as Proust went down with an injury, were like, oh, who am I going to trade Hickey to? Um, and they panicked and they just, as I say, Hickey too, I mean Proust too. And then they traded yeah, Hickey down at 261K because he was the only one um, that they could afford without changing up their whole structure. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a mistake. Um, I guess the main reasons are, even without Nick Nat, when he's played a soul ruck before, he's pretty much gone an average of um, 84 in the past and 84 sounds decent on paper but then you've also got to weigh into the fact that there's Marshall's out so now you have no cover in case he really stinks you can't use Marshall um, in your forward line and swing him into the to ruck to cover Tom Hickey um, also consider they do have Cal Sinclair even though Hickey will start ahead of Cal Sinclair in the ruck. If Hickey has a couple of bad games, I don't think they're going to hesitate to bring in Sinclair. So you're not even bringing, you're not starting him and he's like 100% going to play until his bye as well. He has those job security kind of issues. Um, and thirdly is he's not that good at football. JB, I don't know if that's too harsh. He's just really Thirdly not. Thirdly might be the most important one. I don't know why he's had that till third. Um, he's 260K. I was looking for the West Coast uh, emblem instead of the Sydney one. And when you mentioned Callum Sinclair, I was like, wow, when did West Coast get Callum Sinclair? Um, <laughs> they already had him. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. He's not very good. Um, he's not going to average 90 plus all of a sudden. Um, I actually don't think he's that durable, is he, Pistol? Maybe maybe he just gets dropped every two weeks, I don't know. Um, but essentially, he's not a good pick. And now that Proust has gone down, who I had locked into my team, um, I think it's just Gorn and Grundy as, as far as options go. I think you could um, pick him and then put Flynn on the bench as R3 if, if we get confirmation God. Flynn is going to play for the first... 
you know, six weeks. I'd rather put Flynn at R2. <laughs> Hickey yeah, will make money, though. Like, he, he can make 150k if he plays every round and doesn't get dropped because then he's playing well enough that he's not getting dropped. And if he's playing well enough, he's probably averaging 80. So, All right, before we move on to our forwards, <laughs> who, who are your top three? My top three, I guess I'll put Hickey as number one. Um, Number one, you just spoke so poorly about him. Now he's your best option. <laughs> he's the best. That's rack unreal. Mid pricer. I don't want to. I don't want to even hear your other two <laughs> options. I'm going to move on to the forwards. Um, we're going to start off with big Jeremy Cameron, new recruit, um, about 388k Geelong player now. Obviously, hasn't done a lot this preseason yet. He did have a bit of a hamstring niggle, I believe it was hamstring, yep. maybe groin, yep. probably Ham- hamstring. Um, yeah, he had a bit of a hamstring niggle, so he's not done a lot this preseason, but should be, well, will be fine to go by round one, we assume. Um, now, I think the allure in Cameron is the fact that, well, first of all, he's a perennial goal kicker, um, and goals are about 10 points each, so the more you get of those, the better. Um, the fact that Hawkins is in that side as well, and Jeremy Cameron seems to be the more mobile player of the two, I think he's touted for that up-the-ground link man, tall forward, kick 50 goals in a season as well type of role, which generally speaking, I think Buddy was pretty good at that and averaged pretty well in the past, as we know. Um, but I don't think he, Jeremy Cameron's Buddy, and I think Geelong have a lot of good scorers as it is. Um, 388k, you want to be pretty sure that he's a keeper in your side, um, and I'm not sure he can average 95 plus in that role. He has averaged 92 in the past, so he's averaged just about enough, and now he's going to a better side as well that's going to kick more goals. I think Geelong uh, definitely... GWS were a pretty good side yeah, for no, a, they a few were of those good. years. They were very good, but... They were in a grand final with him. Geelong's so, team uh, is like, stacked at the moment. They're good, I know. Like, I know. They're a top four side. Um, he also isn't going to get probably the number one defender because Hawkins has to get the number one defender, so... Agree. I think a lot. A lot of teams have two good defenders, but I do agree. That, that's a. You'd have to be have two bloody good defenders if you're going to stop Hawkins and Cameron. I mean, so Ryan Burton. Okay, well, Cameron's going to get up the ground, as you said, take marks. Um, honestly, he was in my first draft of my side. Um, I was really high on him until that hamstring injury, and it wasn't just like a little hamstring. First, they said three weeks, and then it became one of those hamstring that oh, he's not right yet. And it lingered and it lingered. It's been five weeks and now. They're like, he's going to be back into training. When you already have a hammy, a soft tissue injury before the season has started, and it's already gone on from like a small one where it's only two, three weeks, and it then becomes a five-week injury, it's just like, oh, okay, this is probably enough red flags that I don't need to select him now and ruin my whole season because he has a, another hammy you know, five weeks into the season and I don't know what to do because I'm in no man's lands. And he's injury prone. So what what are you meant to do? I want to know if despite that hammy, you think he can average 95 plus um, in the games that he plays? Yeah, I think uh, I think he's got potential. That's probably his ceiling for me. I think I don't think he'll go more than 95. I think it likely yeah. will end up between... 90 and 95 um, in a good year. I think that will be that's that's what I was selecting him, hoping he would average between 90 and 95. Um, but you know, 388k is a nice price for someone that can average that. But when you add in the injury risk as well, when he's already been injured this preseason, it was just enough. Then I'm like, yeah, yeah, maybe next year, maybe never. Next play is another player I've managed to coerce you into including here, Connor Rosie. Um, I think. 
day by day Connor is getting a little bit more chit chat about him there are a few people who were burnt by him last season um, which I I personally hate people factoring that into their selections as to how well a player has done for their team in the past but that might just be me pistol now Rosie the allure for me obviously is what well, as we spoke about earlier Arazio coming into the side um, Rosie is going to get more midfield time um, that's not just an assumption that's been discussed by the players and the coaches. Um, Rosie and Zach Butters will be in that midfield a lot more than they were last season, which is already promising. Um, Rosie did play midfield in the first half of the intra-club game, was best on ground in that first half, and then kicked a lazy um, six goals by the end of the second half in which he played mostly forward. Um, I think his role in terms of percentage split is probably around 60-40 in favour of midfield. Ooh, that's um, big, which I think big I, I think a lot of people would be surprised with. I'm surprised. Um, but I think he is a midfielder long-term. And players that are drafted and touted to play midfield don't sit forward for five or six seasons. Um, they get thrown in there eventually, and I think this is the year, um, especially considering how much size he's put on his body. So that is the that's the promise for me. Um, the the people that are pointing to his last season, he only kicked 10 goals last year. Um, he had 25, I think it was, in his debut season. Um, so he's probably kicked his career low in goals for a season already. Um, and that, that is the most recent season and the most recent data point that we have on him. So I think we're looking at him from a very low perspective because of his last season. Um, and that, to me... Um, especially as an optimist, says that he has all the room in the world to improve this year um, and become a 90-plus averager. Um, I might be crazy, Pistol. Yeah. I've, I've never claimed to not be crazy. <laughs> um, I want to hear your honest thoughts on Rosie as well. And factor in, factor in what I've said, because I, I at least have a little bit of know-how in this field, considering... It's, it's kind of the team that I follow. So am I being too biased or is Rosie a chance? No, I think uh, he will end up in the midfield, as you said. Um, I know you said you think it will be this year. I just don't think it will be this season. I think Rockliffe will have to retire um, before that happens. So there's more midfield rotations available. I think he's probably the next kind of one to take a step up. I think he's more likely the opposite, the 40, 60, 40% midfield time um, this season and I guess my worry is that he it's just like not enough for him I I can see him being really good but I can also see him ending up in a no man's land where he just averages 90 flat and you're like that was fine and you keep him the whole season and he ends up being your F6 and it's just kind of uninspiring and other people's F6s might average 95 or 100 and they get them at you know you know 400k during the season and you're like yeah he was okay um, I, I don't think it's a, he's going to be a bad pick. I don't think you're picking him and he's going to go, you know, sub 80. I feel pretty confident that he's going to go above 80. Um, and even at that price, if he goes above 80 with his high variance because he has ceiling in his scores, I think he could still even make, you know, 70, 80K off him as like a failed pick. So it kind of lessens the damage if you do have to trade him out because he is going to increase in value. Um, but overall... I think unless you're really confident um, that he's going to be able to go 90-plus, I probably wouldn't start him. I agree with that. I, I just... And whether it's a little bit of bias sprinkled in with the fact that... Like, bias is so hard to, to weigh out because 
I, I obviously watch Port more than any other team, including their preseason stuff and a lot of, uh, or not a lot of, a few of their training sessions as well. I've seen the progression, and to me, it seems obvious um, that this is the role that he's destined for and the average that he's destined for is 90+. plus. To other people who saw his last season and are now probably going to see one Marsh or Amy or whatever the, the sponsor is for the JLT this year, um, are probably probably just going to see that small sample size and think it's not enough. Um, but maybe that's where I get my added confidence from, or maybe it's bias. I don't know. We'll find out probably around five when I'm crying on the podcast with happy tears or sad tears. We don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, essentially, we're going to move on to the next player. Um, a late adding to the, the list, Jaden Stevenson, um, mostly due to the fact that the coach came out today and said Stevenson is going to play majority of his time in the midfield. Majority. Yeah, which means at the very least 51-49, but probably, based on those words, something like 70-30 pistol. Now, I've never really seen Jaden Stevenson as an inside midfielder. Um, I'm happy to be proven wrong, though, because he's young, highly touted, a high draft pick. Players like that don't just become bad after one low-confidence season. He could be a good midfielder this year. He could be but he could also not be. And I'm not willing to pay 350k on a complete and utter gamble. I think it's madness. They're going to play somebody who literally last season had massive confidence issues, shrugged away from the contests, I should say, shied away from the contests, um, didn't want to get physical, and just like he... he looks like a different player. Obviously, he was, you know, wanted out or whatever it might be. And then to throw him into the midfield, I'm like, uh-oh, this is either going to save his career or ruin his career. I'm very worried about, well, one, selecting any North Melbourne player. Um, and two, yes. I, I just he's not like a Simkin build where he can go in and pick the ball up off the floor and bounce off three players and get the ball out. Like, he's yeah. light and fluffy and speedy. Like... I find it really hard to think that this type of player that he is is going to be able to get in the contest, get the ball, break away, break some tackles, you know, kick it long into the 50 and rack up the super coach points. I just don't see him as that sort of player. I think if he does get midfield time in quotation marks, they're talking like he's going to be playing on the wing and he's not going to be you know, a 25-possession wing-getter. It's going to be like, you know, a 16-possession wing-getter, and I'm not and kind of stuck in no-man's land. I'd be super if, surprised if he went 80-plus. If Jaden Stevenson comes out and averages 95-plus, then I'm more than happy to pay the extra 150k to get him in and admit that I was wrong, that I am to start him and sit with a 70 for my entire season trying to get him out. Yeah, like I, I, I would much rather fade him and let other people take that risk, and and trade him in if I'm wrong. Yeah, because he's not going to have a high ownership. He's not going to hurt you if he if he does well. Um, paying the extra bit of money is 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 what it is really. Yeah, um, we're going to move on to Dry Caldwell now. I think he would have come into a lot of teams just today. Um, he did do well in their intra club. Played was by all reports their best midfielder. Um, now, whether they're gassing up their new recruit, adding a little bit of mustard on it, he was genuinely good, whatever it is. Um, I think it's worth also mentioning that he's against the second string Essendon midfielders, which are probably equivalent to 
the 13th string Geelong midfielders. So um, I'm not confident that this is an accurate representation of how his season's going to go. But he's young. He's highly touted. He was a, a, a low draft pick, traded for a low draft pick. Um, Essendon have said that he's going to play that midfield time. He has the role. Um, can he convert that to an average of 90 plus? I'm inclined to say no pistol, but I would I would be very interested to hear your thoughts because I see him in a lot of teams. Yeah, he is a interesting case because he kind of has that pedigree. He looks like a player that is capable, like very capable, going to use the ball well, um, going to get touches and use it well, which is obviously great for Supercoach. Um, he has DPP as well, which is really handy. Um, they've said Shield might play more of like a half forward role or something, which was weird, which means obviously there's midfield slot that's been opened up for him. Um, I just need to see him play against actual AFL opponents, like you said. I think it's probably easy to beat up, you know, some of the other Essendon midfielders. My problem with Caldwell is he hasn't really, in his AFL games, uh, ever been a big, like, accumulator. Um, he kind of is that type that comes in, gets like 16 to 20 touches, but uses a ball really well. Um, and I kind of see that happening again um, for Essendon. Even playing all game on ball just reminds me of basically like a Devin Smith that doesn't tackle but uses a ball well instead. So like 20 touches. Um, yeah. I think he can, I think it's very possible he goes 85 plus. I feel pretty good about that. Um, it's just not enough. At his price, he he's a good player, uh, and I think we're going to see. Well, he will be a good the player. Emergence of Jai Colwell. No, like I already think he is a capable and, and good AFL footballer. Um, and this year we're gonna we're gonna watch all season him improve and get better and be one of their standout midfielders for the season. I just don't think, as you said, I don't think that'll translate into a good super coach average and a successful pick. So again. Like Stevenson, I'm happy to pay up if he dominates. I'm not considering with any sort of strength whatsoever uh, about starting Coldwell. No, if, in the preseason game, if he comes out and gets 30 touches, even if he were to score like 80 points, if he, if he came out and I saw a lot, get him getting a lot of the ball, I probably would start him. Like I, that's that's I'm what I want to sure see. I, I want to see the ball winning ability. That's my like Fair key enough. thing for him. We'll move to Jesse Hogan, 310k GWS forward. My lord, I did not think I'd be saying that four years ago, let alone saying that it's his third team now. Um, obviously, former Fremantle and Melbourne player. In his Melbourne days, he was honestly, if we if we were to predict a career path for him, touted to be one of the better saving grace forward options for our Supercoach teams for a long time. Um, he averaged well as a rookie, as a forward. Um, I, ju- I, I think he has all the talent. He's obviously had a lot of mental battles off-field as well as injuries on-field. Um, GWS, a fresh start. They've lost Jeremy Cameron. They do need a forward, um, which I think he steps into. Leon Cameron was quoted to say that he will actually get into the midfield a little bit, but he's 310k pistol. We cannot trust him as far as we can throw him with his games played and his output in the last three seasons alone. Yeah, I'm not very strong. I can't throw him very far. So um, for me, Neither. I think the big thing is that they've still got Finlayson, they've still got Himmelberg, they still have Riccardi, and they have Hogan. They can't play all four. It's just not going to work. They can only play three of the four of them. 
you would think based on big names alone that Hogan probably comes in, but one, you kind of have to play Riccardi after how he finished last season. I, Absolutely. I think he's, he was amazing. He's straight in. He's like, yeah, all right, let's see what this guy can do. Then you need a backup ruck, and Hogan's not a backup ruck. Finlayson kind of backed up ruck. He wasn't very good at it, but he did it. Um, now they can't just rely on Flynn as a sole ruck. So I'm thinking he gets the nod, so he comes in. And then you're coming, you're going forward with Himmelberg and Hogan, and I don't know, man. I wouldn't say one is 100% better than the other either. Um, I think Hogan's upside is more than Himmelberg, but like, I don't know where he's I'd at. Say Hogan's, I'd say Hogan's better than Himmelberg. I just but... think it takes three games for Hogan to, you know, he plays badly three games in a row, bang, Himmelberg straight in the side. And then Himmelberg kicks yeah. six goals, gets four weeks in the side, and you've just like, well, what do I do with Hogan now? Well, but like, I mean, the argument, and I'm not arguing to start him. The argument is Hogan, I think, is more likely to have a six-goal game and cement himself in the, in the team than Himmelberg. But um, at the end of the day, he's, he's not going to average 80-plus, is he? He's 310K. We've got players down this list. The next three players are almost locked into every team that I've seen so far. So he's just around that price in the wrong year at the wrong time and he's he's not quite going to be tantalizing enough to start I don't think. Yep. No. We'll we'll go with the next one which is uh Jack Zibel, uh, the Frenchman. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's caught on so oh, well. Man. I love it. It's been, been awful. I've just got to roll with it now. Um Absolutely. Look, he jeez, he is a very kind price. All these other guys we've been talking about have been, you know, over 300k. Um, it takes some scrolling down the list to find him. Um, and you know what? 257k for somebody that's averaged well over 80 um, in, you know, consecutive years in the past doesn't sound too bad, particularly when we see in the preseason game him playing off a new half-back role. And even last year, um, he had a couple of badly injury-affected games. Um, he also had one or two just generically bad games playing for the, the worst, second worst team in the competition as a forward but he still scored 80s he had a few scores in the 80s um, he has the, the potential he has the pedigree he kind of reminds me of the Heppel pick um, an old player who has averaged well in the past has had now a change of role and honestly if he plays in the first 10 games you, you can't see him doing anything besides make you 100k, which is more than what we could say for a lot of rookies out there. So I think Zeebel's a really, really straightforward pick. And I mean, what what else do we really say about him? I think he's just an easy selection. People say that he's injury prone. 2019, he didn't miss a game. 2018, he didn't miss a game. 2017, he missed three. 2016, he didn't miss a game. 2015, he missed one game. All these seasons, you know, if I read back his past averages, we're talking 90, 85, 90, 95, 86, 83, 95, 80. Back in 2012, it's taken him that yep. long since he went below 80. Obviously, he copped a couple of knocks um, last season and had some early finishes. You know, he scored 19 and 20 with, you know, two injury-affected games. Um, but the guy just scores 80s if he's playing like he people say he's moved out of the midfield but he played in the forward line the last two years anyway he still averaged 90 in the forward line kind of so off the half back who knows uh, he might even do better I feel like we can wrap this podcast up in the next five minutes with these next two guys Joe Danaher 233k forward now for Brisbane um 
Like I was saying with Razio, uh, Danaher has not played for a team that has won a final. Um, I really hate saying that because I don't want to be one of those guys to you Essendon fans, but um, it is what it is. They He has not had a successful run at a successful club. Um, he's now going to be playing for a team that is touted to finish in the top three, even top two, uh, depending on who you ask. I don't think anyone has him outside their top four, at least. Um, it just stinks of goals and hangers and just a low floor for Danaher. I just He showed last year that he still had a lot to give. He had a, a couple of good games and a couple of poor games after returning from about 48 months off. Um, but this coming season for Brisbane... A 230k, there is probably only two or three lower risk selections in the game. I got the question for you before I want to talk about Danaher. What price would he have to be for you not to start him this season? 320k plus. I probably wouldn't start him over 280k. Really? Yeah. So if he was 290, you wouldn't... I don't think I'd start oh, him. Okay, I get it. I get it. Okay. I think for me, the injury risk is so real. I know he hasn't missed a training session for Brisbane, but I also know he's been bloody injured for like five years. I think the injury risk is so real um, for him. And, you know, if we don't want to sub in our forward rookies. We don't want to have to burn a trade on him. Um yeah, that, that risk is something that we kind of forget a little bit about. We just brush it off. We say, oh, yeah, he's injury risk, but he's also 230K. Um, I just want to yeah. be, as Cheezer would say, cognizant of the fact that you can't just throw Ooh. out his injury risk. It is so real, and it does decrease his value a lot because it increases the risk profile of your sides, and you can only take so much risk into the season, and he eats up a lot of that risk. Um, he is a lot of that risk, I should say. So uh, for me, at 233K, he's only just priced more than a rookie. He is capable of big games if he kicks a bag of six and playing for a good side. I think it's going to happen. I hope it happens in the first six games. I hope it happens in rounds <laughs> three, four, five, and six. Um, and we're able to just spike his price. If he gets to 400K, I'm selling him. This is not somebody that... This is not a long hold. I don't see him no. averaging 90 plus exactly. for the season, getting through the whole year. This is a quick... I want a quick buck. I want to get an advantage over people that didn't start him. I want a quick buy, quick sell situation. Um, yeah, that's truly how I feel about Danaher. I'm st- I want to make yeah. a prediction. All right. Go for it. I think Danaher plays more than 14 games this year. I feel like you should put the line at 16. 16? That means he's only going to miss six games. Six games is a lot of games to miss. He's played like three in the last 24 years. Yeah. All right, all right. How about this? I'll give you over under 15.5. Yeah, I think he plays less than 16 games. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go the over... Do you want to put a, a $20 cancer council wager on that? You've, you've put me on the spot on here, so I can't say no. So You should sure, say no. No, you. no, you can say no. Oh, no. Uh, make tell, it 30. <laughs> tell, me, tell me off air if I've, if I've peer pressured you into spending money nah, you don't have, it's okay? It's all good. Someone please <laughs> um, sign up your patron and make it $20. $20. Make it, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm on 16 plus games then. You're on 15 or less. Yep. I, I don't know what it is. I just players at new clubs just give me confidence of, of a turnaround. I don't I'm not sure what it is, but 
Danaher, blind like, hope. I don't, I'm not. Yeah, it could be. I'm not going to be silly. He's he's obviously one of the riskiest picks in the game, but he's also one of the best value picks in the game. And when we weigh up that risk reward, like we've spoken about all podcast, he is like dead center of the spectrum of could average high, could die in three games. Um, and he, he had he, being in that dead center just means just just pick him. All like right. he's just he just seems like an easy pick. Um, lastly, someone who is far 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 on the low risk, low um, high value side of the scale. I don't think we need long to talk about Jarman Impey, um, playing off of halfback, approximately two hundred and twelve k off the top of my head. Um, my phone's died, so I've I've lost my my research facilities. Um, playing off halfback for Hawthorne, coming off an injured year. Um, I, I can't see a world in which he averages sub 70. Um, and that's I think that's being a little bit kind as well. I think he could go 75, 80-ish. Um, coming off of halfback, we know it's a lucrative role. Um, we know MP's done it in the past. He's, he's even done it for Port Adelaide. So um, I think I think he'll be good in that role. If he doesn't get injured, then he's one of the lowest risk players in the entire game. Yeah, I called Impey um, a lock in my side in our rivalry league podcast, um, you know, quite a few weeks ago now. And for me, when he's just over the price of the first round draft pick, but has, you know, upside of, you know, 75 or so, which I don't think many of the rookies do, and he's in the best 22. And he's cemented in the best one. He's cemented in the best. Also, he's awesome to watch to play. Like when you're watching him, he's so fun to watch. And if you're watching a Hawthorne game and you see Impey off the halfback flank, like he's good fun as well, which does help, you know, having fun with your side. Um, There's not a world in which I'm not starting him if he's fit and available for round one. He took part in the intra club match. They already said he looked really good off the halfback in his first, you know, hit out for them. after you know his injuries, so I just don't really see any downside with this pick. I mean, if he goes seventy, he still makes like one hundred and thirty k. And you know, last season obviously he got injured, but the year before that he went seventy four and sixty eight before that. But he didn't have the same role that he's got going to have for this season. Like he will do well off the halfback flank. I I'm expecting him to average between seventy and eighty. And for me. When you've got that job security and just a relatively consistent 70, 80 on field, I'm going to take that every day of the week. Very, very easy pick. And if you don't have Jarman MP, there's a chance that you're overthinking it a little bit. If you don't have him and you have good reasoning behind it, can you please tweet at us so we can have a discussion? It's probably injury prone. Like, that's that's what we're going to say. Like He doesn't I mean, play full if that's, seasons. If that's the reason, he's, he's 200K. Right. Yeah, you just anyway, trade him out I wanna, if he's injured. <laughs> at at JB underscore DRSC, at Pistol underscore DRSC, at Chizo underscore DRSC, at Dr. underscore SC. Um, tweet us if you have anything to talk about regarding Jarman Impey. Anything to talk about regarding the podcast at all. Um, I think this is me wrapping it up, Pistol. Do you want to quickly give your top three defenders before we do it? 
my defenders again. Jeez, I'll have to go back uh, through the I defender mean, list here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, we've been on for an hour and 20 minutes and I've made my first mistake. Who are the top three forwards? Oh, I think you've made a couple other mistakes, like Danaher, but uh, I, mean, I think... I mean, podcasting with you was the first one, <laughs> so I started on the wrong foot. Look, I think at their prices, I think uh, the Frenchman, Jay-Z, I think Danaher and Impey, all at the kind prices. It's a lot of risk taking all three, but I think all three have a solid amount of upside. Who's fourth? Who's fourth out of all of them? Yeah. I'd have to see Caldwell's role. I like Cameron. I, I really do like him. I just hate that he's got injured already in the preseason. All right, who's fifth? <laughs> okay, if you want me to say that Stephenson's below Rosie, if that will help you sleep at night. It will, please. Okay, yeah. I have Rosie as sixth. Sit. My lord. No, no, right. fifth. Fifth, fifth. No, oh, no, sixth. Okay, sorry, that, sorry, that's sixth. Better. Hogan, Hogan is also Caldwell and yeah, I like Caldwell Caldwell and Cameron above Rosie. Yeah, I think Cameron's going to outscore Rosie. You're a fool. Um, (laughs) Okay, that'll wrap up the podcast. Do you have any closing statements besides that one? Um, Yeah, look, this has been a long time coming. These mid prices, Uh, keep an eye on them. I think they're more important than people might realize. Depending on the rookie situation, which is always in a state of flux. Uh, it's always best to plan for the worst case scenario and then have a contingency if you know best case scenario uh, pops up rather than the other way around when you put 16 million rookies in your side and then they don't show and you're like, crap, I didn't make a different team so I don't know how things look. Also, if you've never looked at the mid-prices properly, if you have to make a split-second decision and you haven't researched them, you're going to have a bad time. Um, you really need to put in the work into all of these just to even rule them out or make an order in your imaginary. If I had to select these forwards, which ones would I select so that you know what to do in you know split-second decisions that you might need to make before round one. But you know, we'll probably only, I guess, be back in a little while, JB. Um, we definitely can't do a rookie podcast until after the uh, preseason games. There's no point in doing that. So, uh, yeah, we might be off for a little bit. But uh, anyway, thanks uh, thanks for listening, community. If anyone has um, any ideas on a podcast that you'd like to hear from us, then we're definitely open to generating more contact content, content for the public. Um, besides that, we are focusing, as we said, off the top of the podcast on the 30 for 30. Um, so that's something to definitely try and tune into if you can. Other than that, Pistol, like you said, that will do us for now. Um, we'll talk to everyone soon. Thanks very much for tuning in. If you listen for the full 90 minutes, you are a real fan and we really appreciate it.